um, being mentally present, uh, as well as um, we talked about showing up is 90% of the battle because if you're, not, if, you, if, if you're not here, nothing else really matters. It doesn't matter really how well you can get into the spirit, how much of a hair trigger you are if you're not there. Um, uh, we talked about God's intention to change us from glory to glory uh, in one degree, and we talked about getting the ball up uh, as an analogy to basketball um, of, you know, the more opportunities that you take of taking that shot, spending time with God, the more opportunities you give the Holy Spirit to just wreck in and have a moment with you. I can't help but think of Lily being at service at Revival, not to put you on the spot, but, um, you know, when God gave you the word and you got filled with the Holy Spirit and you started speaking in tongues and how easy it would have been just to have been like, ah, you know, I've been to Revival the other day and I'll go tomorrow, but, you know, tonight... Tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick back with some Netflix. I'm just going just gonna to chill out, maybe call a friend over and hang out. And what an opportunity would have been missed in that, in that moment. And we just don't know the moments that, that God has planned and orchestrated to wreck into our lives and to totally set us on course and, and change us in that moment. Um, and, you know, God, God intends to do it. But especially, you know, with mature believers, he expects us to know that, you know, we need to be getting in there, we need to be digging in there, um, and, and creating opportunities to have those moments with God. And so getting that ball up, get, taking as many of those opportunities as possible. Um, we talked about Pastor Zig's experience of hours and hours and hours of prayer before God, and then that moment when, uh, when the Holy Spirit wrecks in and gives him a whole vision that sets his life on course, um, and how, you know, he didn't know which hour it would be that 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 door would be open to him, um, and had he had he not had he been like you know what Lord's got a plan for me and you know he's just going to see to it, but he had an attitude I'm I'm going to get to know this God that saved me, and in the process of that um, encountered God in a powerful way, and so today we're going on to that second point of prepare. So the first one was showing up, the second point is prepare. Uh, or make a plan, you could say. Um, you know, they kind of, they all kind of go really hand in hand together. You can't make a plan if you don't plan on showing up. But at the same time, um, you know, when you're there, what are you, what are you doing uh, that's going to set that moment on course or that day on course? Uh, what are you, what are you doing when you go to service? When it's Sunday morning uh, and you're on your way to church, are you just going and you know, see what happens? Or have you determined, you know, the Bible says that uh, the Sabbath day is to keep it holy. And, you know, we know Sabbath is technically Saturday, but we, we celebrate, we, uh, we go to church on Sunday. Um, so this is our, the day that we've designated to come and meet with God. And, you know, we've decided to do that Wednesday as well. Um, but uh, what, what are we doing to keep the Sabbath holy? You know, is Sunday morning uh, a unique and special sanctified, set-aside time where you're like, all right, Sunday, uh, service is until 10.30, you know, I could, I guess I could turn the news on and get a cup of coffee brewing, and, you know, I got a couple hours before we got to be at service, or, you know, maybe catch some highlights of the game last night, or uh, whatever, or is it like, it's, I need to, I need to get my, I need to get my soul in position to be obedient to my spirit, so that when I come into service, I'm not depending on the worship team to do the job for me, but I'm coming in there as an aid and saying, you know, I'm not on the stage, but 
I'm just as integral to this happening. You know, we look up at worship team members, and, you know, if you looked up at a member and they were just kind of him-hawing around, and they're just singing their song, and they got a face like, you know, like a kid at Taco Bell, (laughs) you know, we'd be like, well, that shouldn't detour us, or they shouldn't detour a mature believer, but, you know, uh, we know that it does. Or you might get that in your head, be like, you're singing and praising. You look over and you see, uh, you see Rachel and she's just like, she looks at her watch while she's praising. We know you wouldn't do that. That's why I'm throwing you out as an example. (laughs) And frankly, no one on our worship team would do that. Um, But um, you look up at a person that just looks like they're going through the motions, you know? It's a a distraction. How much are we a distraction sometimes, you know, if if, uh, we're just... Any one person is just out doing their own thing, you know, they're, uh, they're worshiping, and you're like, man, what's on Facebook? Well, well, it's just a moment, just a brief moment, and yet a worship leader could look down and see someone, and you know, all of us are guilty of it. It could be someone who is a mature believer. It could be someone in leadership. It could be me. I'm just as guilty. I'm still working to train my mind or train my body and possibly leave my phone in the back when pastor puts that basket out there. Um, this is the offering basket, so on Sunday, so have to be repurposed, but we'll get a, we'll get a different basket because it's just muscle memory. You know, we all do it. We all do it throughout the day. And you know what, what you practice, we talked about last time we, we did it, what you practice, you do. Um, and so six days out of the week that you don't really call, I mean, really every day is holy for the God. We've been saved and sanctified and set apart, but we're, if we're setting this time and yet, you know, how many hours, Don, how many hours are in a week? Do you happen to know that offhand? I know you know a bunch of crazy information. 72 and 3, so 2 times that's 144 hours in a, in a week minus Sunday. Uh, that, that you're just constantly doing this, 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 this. And then the expectation that out of those 144 hours that you've invested in doing your own thing, that you're going to come in here and it's automatically turn off that muscle memory. It's... It's, it's not really uh, ideal. It's not realistic. Um, you know, we may have trained, some of us may have trained ourselves not to do that, and that's good. But if you're thinking about it as like, uh, is that really necessary? Sometimes I look down. I'll try not to do that more. It's like, well, you've been training yourself. You've been training yourself to do those things. Um, and, and, and we all have. So you have to think of it from that perspective. Um, so, so if we're going to experience and receive from God, if we're going to engage in the service, we're going to have to prepare. We're going to have to make a plan. Um, sometimes we experience God by accident uh, for various different reasons. Sometimes just the sheer will of God. Um, he, so a lot of times that's how we, we, get, to, we, we in, get introduced to God is just because we were in the right place at the right time and he orchestrated us to be there uh, whether it was the prayers of our mama or our aunts or uncles or someone in our life that was praying our name before Jesus, and uh, we ended up at the right place, and God's like, I'm going to get you. And, um, but in other times, you know, we come to service, and it's really the relationships, uh, if it's not ours, it's the relationship of the man of God, it's the relationship of the worship leaders, you know, Carolyn gets up here to do a word, Miss Rhonda gets up here, Nakia, Rachel, my gosh, um, gets up here and it's like, oh, all of a sudden we're falling in. You know, you can't really attribute that uh, to your relationship if you can't, you know, go home and do it by yourself. Um, you know, there's certainly a difference in a corp, you know, that corporate anointing, and um, you know, that just means the us together. Um, but 
if, if, if you couldn't get up here, not to say that you know, everyone's anointed to do that, but if you couldn't get up here and do that, then you should be like, well, it, am I getting over there or are they getting me over there? Um, and that's not necessarily bad. That's their calling in life. But that's a step towards getting to another place, towards saying, okay, well, they're kind of showing me the way. I need to use that moment and that opportunity to find that way on my own. Um, because God needs me to, because the church needs me to, because if someone comes in and, you know, it just wasn't their day and they're jacked up and they're the person I'm depending on, but I can come in and be like, you know what, over the time you have helped me to find and dig my own place in God and now I'm going to pull you in and we're going to totally ignore the circumstances that have happened throughout, throughout your week that are contributing to, to you not being able to go over and get in there. Uh, you know, that's a huge blessing. It can't all to be, if we're going to do everything God's called us to do, it can't be dependent on one person or a couple people or three people. You know, how many times have you been to a church where uh, worship service is more like a production and maybe those people in the worship service really have relationships with God and it's not just a production, but you look out into the congregation and you see, you know, it, it, are, are they at a concert, you know? And so are they're, they're not, they're not, they're not contributing to that worship service in the same way. I'm sure, you know, something is going on inside of their mind. Um, but as, you know, pastors told us before, uh, you know, if, uh, if you can worship God inside your head, next time you have a problem, just keep it inside your head. <laughs> you, you know? Um, worship is an expression. Worship is something that happens with our mouth. It happens with our hands. It happens for some of us with our feet. Not something that I really enjoy. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Um, sometimes I feel socially awkward dancing in front of people. Um, so Hitch kind of helped me to, you know, step out with one of these. (laughs) That's where I, that's where I stay. I don't do the whole spin in the pizza, but you know, I follow Will Smith's example, not the Chris Rock example, but this one, (laughs) but you know, he, he, he helped, he helped, uh, the non-rhythm people out. It's like, yes, thank you for that. Where were you in middle school and high school? I could have used that. Um, so and it's so funny, too. You know, dancing with Amelia is super easy. Um, so if, if worship is something that's kind of difficult and dancing, just as a, a way of keeping it in perspective, if you've ever been, a, especially parents, you know, if you're not comfortable dancing in public, everyone's pretty comfortable doing that at home when the music's on. And if you don't like doing that in front of your spouse, odds are if they're not there and the right song plays, you're probably dancing by yourself. And that's because you enjoy dancing. It's just sometimes socially awkward uh, to do that, and I can definitely relate. Sometimes I'm like, I think I know how to dance sometimes, but right now the knees aren't working. I don't know what to tell them to do. Um, but, you know, when, when I'm at home and Encanto's playing, <laughs> and Moana's playing, Amelia wants to dance, we dance. Man, I love dancing with Amelia. And she doesn't even have to be standing. You know, I'll be over here on the corner, and I'll be holding her in worship service. I love dancing with her. And I think it's such a good reminder of how I feel watching Amelia dance is how God would love to feel watching us dance. Um, I, I can't help but feel like, man, I, I, I wish that it didn't. And it's becoming better and better. But, um, you know, not really thinking about how do I look, you know, because that's really what all that social awkwardness comes down to. No one wants to say, oh, I don't care what people think about me. You're like, okay, well, then dance in front of everyone right now. You're like, all right, we figured it out. You do. 
Um, except for Brandon, he's got the moves. <laughs> Where do you get those jeans at? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is that Banana Republic? Because they're not in the mall anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, but God, but God takes great pleasure in watching us dance. And sometimes if it, if it helps, it's good to just get it in your mind that, you know what, I'm not dancing for anyone but him. And, and that feels weird sometimes. But you know what? When I'm dancing with Amelia, I don't care who's watching. I'll dance with Amelia. And maybe it's because, you know, we can all see Amelia. We can all like, understand that, oh, a father's dancing with his daughter. That's cute. That's sweet. Blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you're dancing by yourself for this imaginary person, and everyone's looking at you. But how much more does he appreciate it, you know, significantly? I mean, he, in, uh, somewhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one of those, uh, Jesus is talking about, you know, if you, being good parents, want to give your children good things, how much more does your heavenly Father? So if, um, if us, loving and enjoying to watch our children be filled with exuberant joy, how much more does God enjoy watching us do that same thing and just shed those uh, bonds of, uh, of what are people going to think of me, you know? Uh, that childlike faith that God talks about. So um, that's kind of a side note, but definitely um, some things to think about. And then other times we just stumble across uh, his presence completely by accident, not because, you know, he uh, necessarily orchestrated it. We've already been in church. We're a relatively growing believer, but you know what? We did everything right, and we, it's, it's like, uh, be like picking a lock but not knowing how to pick a lock. You know, sometimes you just hit the right tumblers and make that thing open. Now, I mean, if you've never messed with a lock, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But I remember one time I messed with someone's padlock when I was a kid. And I think it was my neighbor's, and he had it on his gate. And I just thought it'd be fun to just spin it, you know, mess around. And I pulled on it, and I happened to input the key, or it was off by just one. And I got lucky. And, you know, sometimes that happens, and, and we attribute that, man, I got over there, and that was awesome. And it's like, well, yeah, but maybe you should kind of reflect on what, what you did that helped you to get over there. Um, because we know that God says, you know, don't ask amiss. You know, there's, it, our relationship with him isn't necessarily a formula you can write down and say, I don't need to talk to him anymore because I've got this formula, and that's the key that's going to open the door. But oftentimes there's processes and those processes lead us to receive instruction. And, um, and, and God gives us a map of, uh, of sorts. Oftentimes, you know, we pray a certain way. And then it starts to drift into other things as we uh, get over there into the Holy Spirit. Um, but it starts with, uh, you know, a, start, um, of a prayer of some kind. And sometimes it's something that you always go to, you know. Lord, I worship you and glorify you. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. You're awesome, Lord. I love you. And then before you know it, things are rolling up out of your spirit to throw into there. But you know, that's your go-to. That's, that's, your, uh, that's the carburetor that throws a little fuel in the engine and turns it over. Um, but but we, don't, we don't want our relationship to be based on accident. We want to predictably go before the presence of God and say, Lord, uh, I'm here to spend time with you. What do you want to talk about? Uh, where do you want to lead me? Where do you want me to spend my time in the word reading? Um, lead me and guide me and show me that place. Um, and, and we can have that. We can have that uh, expectation. Um, looking at 2 Timothy 2.15, first scripture. You think I was going to get one, did you? 
I got my coffee here as a, uh, what's it called? Like a therapy animal taken into Target. I'm hold it. 2 Timothy 2.15. Uh, this is out of the Amplified. Whoever loves everything out of the Amplified. Um, it says, study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God. Approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. So, so God's told us that there, there's a way uh, not to be ashamed, and that's to study the word of God so that we can be a, a I like kind of like the simplified word. I like that for its exactness, but, you know, study, study the word of God to uh, uh, not be a workman that need not be ashamed. Just very, very simple. Uh, we don't have to be ashamed. It's not God's plan for us to be ashamed. Uh, he hasn't put it on us, but oftentimes uh, when we come into the presence of God, how many times have, um, possibly early on maybe, but you've come into a worship service and, you know, everyone else is getting in but you. And you're like, man, I haven't been in my word. I haven't been doing this. I haven't been doing that. And God's not really putting all that on you, but we put it on ourselves when we don't spend time in the word and in prayer and do those things that are right. And the truth of the matter is, is while we don't need to be ashamed, that's not something that's going to lead us into his presence. Um, reading and studying the word of God is something that uh, is the kindling on the fire. You know, we're, we're provoked by the word of God. We're pulled into his presence. We're, uh, when, when God gives you a revelation because you've spent time in his word, uh, those, those are things that are like, yes, yes, thank you, God. Oh, babies is cute. Um, Under Armour has this really cool commercial back uh, in the Olympics a couple years ago that I liked. I think it was Michael Phelps's. Um, and it, it was a, a commercial that said, what we do in the dark puts us in the light. And I love that. It stuck with me. Um, it's kind of like Mike, Michael working out. Michael, what time do you work out in the mornings? You get up early. You're used to at least. Do you still? 7.30? And sometimes, like in the, in, the, in the winter, winter months, you know, by the time you wake up in the morning, it might still be dark before you even get out the door. Um, but it's what you do when no one's around looking uh, that puts you on display. You know, you, you know, you talked about being overweight a few years ago, um, and it took a lot of those hours that no one saw. Um, nutritionally, uh, in the gym, controlling what you, what you wanted to eat but couldn't. Um, that's now put you in a place where you're really, really happy with the way you look and you're happy with your, your fitness. Um, and it applies that way to everything. Uh, I heard someone say, you know, people, this, hopefully this don't get me in trouble, but people talk about, um, talk about the wage gap in between male, men and female, male and females. Um, and they said that this, this number is really universal to everyone, but there's more women that typically will start a career, then they'll have kids, and then they might come home, and then all of a sudden their priorities have totally changed, where there are not all men, but more men who their priorities are all about earning, 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 and that's how they say they love them to their family, or it's an ego, or whatever it is, and they'll put in 60, 70 hours a week. Well, it's, it's a statistical fact that the person who shows up first to work and, and the person who shows up last to leave, they earn the most. And those hours of work 
while, you know, if you're a salary employee, you might be thinking, you know, if you don't pay, I don't play. But um, those hours, while <laughs> those, those hours will typically earn dividends into the future because you're going to be the first one for promotions. You know, everyone's going to be like, well, I should have got this promotion. I should have got that promotion. Um, you know, I've got more education or this and that. And you're like, yeah, but that person, I saw their car here in the morning. The boss saw the car before the boss showed up. And the boss saw the car when they left. And they're like, man, that person either sucks at their job or they're getting it done. Because <laughs> it could go either way. Um, but typically... You know, you, you develop a reputation at work, and if you're uh, incompetent, then they're going to be like, oh, person's making up for all the time they waste around the water cooler. But if you've got a reputation of being a worker, they're like, that person will not leave until the work is done, period. And that, and I, you know, most people aren't that person. And frankly, that's okay. It's okay to be the type of worker that says, you know, I'll put my 40 hours in, I'm going to work hard and dutifully, and when the clock stops, I stop. But don't cry when the other person gets the promotion, you know, because it's what you do in the dark that puts you in the light. And it, it, it's, it's a, I mean, really, it's a principle of God. It's seed time and harvest time. That, those people are not receiving a harvest on that, on that time, typically. Uh, and, they're, and they're sowing that time towards developing an excellence inside of their work ethic, an excellence inside of their job knowledge. And it will bear fruit. Even if it doesn't bear fruit in their current job, Tyler is extremely confident when he goes into job interviews. And he's extremely confident. I think, you know, we know it's because of the grace of God on his life, but he's also a very competent person when it comes to his payroll job. He knows how difficult his job was at Paycom. And so when he comes as a qualified Paycom payroll guy to Heartland, he's like, no, you're going to have to get the pay up because I'm cream of the crop. And if you want cream of the crop, then you've got to pay the right price. And when you're, when you're competent in your job, you have a, a, a confidence that follows you into the interview because you're not like, man, if they don't hire me, then who's going to hire me? What am I going to do? You're like, listen, you're a dime a dozen. Everyone's looking for me. Not everyone's looking for you. You're looking for me. You're trying to get me on the phone with your customers because you know what I can do for you. Um, and that, that confidence comes from, from being extremely competent in your job and um, you know, you, I honestly know that it's a grace on Tyler's life, and I think that's super awesome. I remember one time he was testifying on that. I'm like, Hilda, you need to sow into that or get him to pray for you right now because there's just like a, an awesome, awesome grace on Tyler's life to get raises and to demand them and have them give them to him and be like, I would never talk to a boss the way Tyler talks to a boss. And respectfully, he's not like, you know, he's not being rude, but he's like, listen, and, and I've heard... I've heard that these techniques work, but no one ever has the guts to do them. To be like, listen, here's my, uh, here's my letter. Uh, I'll take 10%, uh, or you can take the resignation letter, whichever one you want. Because I've got, I've got, I've got from some friends at some other places, and they told me about some opportunities that exist elsewhere. I don't really need you. But if you want me, it's going to be 10%. You know? And I've heard that that works. Sometimes it'll cost you your job, but... Many times, that same job will call you back. They're calling your bluff. They want to find out if you got the guts to walk. Uh, and when you do, sometimes they call you back and offer you more than 10%. Um, and that's um, awesome. Um, so if, if, if we're going to achieve the goal of receiving from the Holy Spirit, engaging in the service, and uh, re receiving all God has for us, then we're going to have to prepare. We have to be intentional in our day and in our interactions in service. Um, 
when pastor's preaching, you know, or when the revival's going on, you know, what, what's going on in your mind? It's simply, you know, I'm hearing material, I'm digesting material, I'm thinking what it is, or um, if I look over at Ted half the time, uh, he's praying in the spirit, he's like, you know, pray, doing, he's praying in tongues. Um, uh, and there's certain people you look over, they're just, they're mumbling in the spirit under their, under their lips and they're engaged They're They're not so much, I think, trying to, uh, gather information because head knowledge really don't help you to a, to a significant extent. Um, it, it can, but it only, if it gets in your heart, especially with this stuff, you know, head knowledge is for, uh, earthly knowledge is great head knowledge, but spiritual knowledge doesn't really do anything for you in your head. I mean, if you read the Proverbs and all you take is the natural uh, benefit of that wisdom, it'll benefit your life, but um, not anywhere near the extent of mumbling that, those scriptures over and um, quoting the Proverbs and be like, Lord, what were you trying to say? What, what, what does that mean for wisdom to be screaming in a, in a, in a court uh, and declaring herself uh, to the world? What does that mean? That's weird. And it is kind of weird to the natural mind. You're like, God, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Saying those scriptures over and over and over again, meditating, 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 meditating on the word of God. What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, when we leave here, how many times do we listen to the recording of pastor preaching throughout the week so that we can, <laughs> good job, <laughs> um, so, so, that, so that we can, we can gather everything uh, from it. Sometimes, you know, Sometimes I can get distracted just by looking at pastor preaching, especially he comes up and he just does one of these numbers. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and it, it'll, it'll throw me off sometimes. But if I'm just driving down the road and I'm playing that recording or I'm cleaning at the house or doing yard work or something, um, all of a sudden I'm giving my, my natural body or my mind something to occupy and something can roll up out of my spirit or I can think about something and then it spreads off into something else and before you know it, the, the Lord's teaching me something through that. Um, and that comes through repetition. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep the word in front of my eyes day and night. Um, and that's, that's what it goes to. Uh, God gave us a fresh word, and that fresh word came out of a, a revelation from God. And God intends it to be a revelation to us, but it only becomes a revelation if we meditate on it day and night. Um, uh, don't try to do it on our own. Um, you know, if, 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 we need, if we need help um, in, in breaking through some of these things, uh, the Holy Spirit wants to help us. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit wants to help us. He's waiting on us. We're, we're not, uh, he's, he's waiting on us. We're not waiting on him. We're not waiting on him to do something. We're not waiting on him to, well, Lord, I'll, I'll uh, gain, engage in the service when, when you see fit to benevolently bestow upon me uh, a great spiritual glory that shines from the heavens and rainbows emerge out of the walls. You know, God's done everything he's going to do. Um, and sometimes we stumble into the luck of being in the right place at the right time. But once again, uh, that's nothing that we can really build a mature relationship on. It's not really God's intention for us to build a mature relationships on. And so one of the problems I think that people run into when, um, when their relationship with God hits a, a stagnation point or uh, when they're not getting everything out of the service that they would like to get um, 
and they don't know how or where or what, uh, what levers to pull in order to change that. Um, they don't have a, a relationship necessarily in a significant way outside of the church service, whether they're a bit too busy or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, pastors mentioned it before. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's awkward developing a relation. It's awkward to develop a relationship with anyone that uh, you don't talk to as much as you would like to talk to. Um, um, my brother Tim was here on um, this, this weekend, and uh, I am super excited. I really feel like Tim moving to Dallas was a gift from God. I'm trying to see if I can get him moved to Oklahoma City, but he just bought a house, so it's a little bit harder pull. Um, but I think that he moved here because, um, because I wanted him to. Uh, I wanted, uh, my, me and my brother, we're, we're, we're not as close as, as I think both of us would like to be. Um, you know, I'm 36 years old. I'll be 37 years old this year. Um, you know, when we talked a lot, I was probably 20 when I showed up to his apartment and would hang out while he was in college or doing something and play video games or listen to music or crash on his couch at two in the morning, you know. Um, but it's been a long time, you know, once I got married, uh, pretty much all my time went to Hilda, and um, then I joined the Air Force, and that brought me out to Oklahoma, and uh, neither me or Tim are great uh, phone talkers. I'm really good if someone else is okay, and then I can feed off of that, but t talking in, in some of those ways about just, you know, the breeze is not really something that uh, one of his strong suits um, but I think that it'll open up in time. I think it has just something to do with the awkwardness of, you know what, it's really been 15 years since we've been close, 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 where it's like, I'm just going to show up to your house, do whatever I want, eat your food, play your video games, and sleep on your couch and not ask you for permission. You know, that's a closeness that brothers have um, that, you know, you still have to maintain with brothers. Me and my little brother talk more often, but Michael's the most social one out of all of us, so he talks to everyone. Uh, he'll, he'll call me up more than I call him up. He's awesome. Um, but that just facilitates keeping that relationship kindled, you know? And, and I'm like, hey, Michael, what are you doing? Going to the gym? Okay, cool. So we've got a rapport of what we talk about, what we go over, talking about church. Now he's listening to church, which is pretty cool because of the um, hearing me preach last time. Uh, Hilda shared it with the family. So now he's listening to Pastor Zig preach all, all the time. So I'm like, eh, start sending your tithe, bro. You're listening to this one. <laughs> no, no, he's got a church out in Las Vegas that he sends his tithe and offering to, but um, there, it, there's a relationship there, so there's no awkwardness when we talk. Now, when me and my brother Tim talk, there's a little bit more, but there's a little bit less on this trip um, than, uh, you know, I called him up when La little Landon was just in his mom's belly, and I'd be like, hey, Tim, how are you doing, man? You excited about Landon? It's like, yep. I'm like, all right, cool, man. Sweet. Um, but you know what? That's, 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 that was the nature of it. And I think both of us kind of probably felt weird. And so you just call less instead of more. And um, I'm super excited for him moving out here so that, you know, trying to get him to come out once a month at least. Um, and maybe if he comes out once a month, we can come out once a month and, you know, we can kindle, we can, we can build that relationship back up. And um, I think it's so much like the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes people get busy in their lives and, and uh, they, they fall away from that place that they once had with him. And, you know, you talk to him throughout the day, but, you know, real intimate relationship. 
where you're setting aside time to pray and you're setting aside time to read your word and you're giving him an opportunity to speak, you know, versus just driving down the road. And, and there's nothing wrong with this. This is, good, this is good use of our time. But if it's, not, if it's not intimate time, it's like, Lord, I want to get the Snickers bar. I'm trying on, kind of on a diet. Should I do it? It's kind of, it's good. I involve, acknowledge God in all your ways, you know, and he'll direct your paths. But um, it's not a supplement to like, you know, where, where are we at? You know, getting, getting uh, vulnerable before God, uh, putting, putting away all of the things that are shields that kind of prevent us from really going to those next levels in intimacy. And I heard a pastor talk about this, same thing, uh, is that there's just an awkwardness sometimes. You know, you sit down to pray and you're like, all right, pray, thirsty, let's go get a glass of water. And then you go get a glass of water. Now I got to go to the bathroom. And go to the bathroom. And you sit back down. And then now the kid's crying. And, and there's, you know, the deadening of silence. Um, <clears throat> and so you've just got to push past that and say, you know what? I'm going to set aside so much time to get to know him no matter what happens in that period. If nothing happens but me feeling like I'm listening to silence, then eventually I will break through that. And I will, uh, I will kindle that relationship in a way that I want to. But it won't happen if I just stay away from that awkwardness, if I hide from it. Um, you know, I liken it to like a stove, um, a fireplace. A cold fireplace uh, with cold wood does not light very easily. You know, you've got to stack the wood in such a way that allows for proper ventilation. You got to put kindling, little tiny twigs in there, and then you've got to like roll up some newspaper or roll them in bonds, stack them inside there. And then, um, you know, if you got a little bit of gasoline in the fire in the in the garage and you're feeling adventurous, um, you know, give a little spray. Don is not support that. <laughs> That's why he didn't let me cut down my tree. <laughs> Uh, I did that. I not in the, not inside the house, but I've gone camping with some friends, and we went in the spring, and there was a huge rain on our way out there. But you know, when you're 18 years old, you're like, we're gonna camp, we're gonna be, and so we gathered wood from the campsite, and it was all soaked and and wet, and probably recently fell. It wasn't seasoned firewood, and we brought with us, no kidding, a two-gallon thing of gasoline because we're like, well, you know, it's wet outside, so this will light it right up. We went through all the gasoline, and there was no fire to be held. Um, wet wood doesn't light. <laughs> and you, you've got a, you, need a, you need to find a proper fuel source. You need, to, you need dry wood because you can just fight that thing and fight that thing. Now, at my house, I got the little gas insert, and I've got a friend who's assured me that you're not supposed to do this, but I've never had any issues. Um, he's, he's more of a handyman, kind of like Don. He knows what he's doing. And I'm like, eh, I, my, my in-laws do it. It works great. It's a little gas insert. It's not a gas fireplace, but it has it almost like a fire starter. And so I'd use it as a fire starter. I put my logs on there. And sometimes you've got those big wood logs, and they don't want to light. And, um, you know, when you call the firewood guy, that's all he shows up with. So now you've got to chop a bunch of kindling wood to get it to stack it properly, uh, and it still might not. You know, you've got you've to put work into that fireplace, but if you get that fire lit, you come back to it after a whole bunch of wood has been burned and there's nothing but embers there, you just throw a piece of wood, and that sucker's going. Um, it's just like that. You know, it, sometimes, sometimes we, we're, we're, we're a cold fireplace, 
but we need to have faith and patience and know that God is good. And if we continue to press in and put the wood in there, once this thing, once that fire gets going and those embers are, are there, it's going to be easy. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're very uh, short-term gratification type people. You know, they talk, and I, I am so guilty of this. I am the kid, unfortunately, in this horrible example where the uh, psychology study uh, talked to all these kids and they said, if I, give, I can give you a candy bar right now, or if you wait one hour, these little tiny bite-sized ones, I'll give you two. Most of those kids could not, could not maintain the idea of that long-term gratification. Few kids could. Most kids could not. Um, and, and then, you know, to go further, they said, you know, they studied the lives, or the outturns, or whatever, of those kids down the road. And of course... The ones that had great um, long-term uh, delayed gratification, they turned out to be very successful in life because it turns out it's a, it's a very important key to being successful is being able to put off uh, today's pleasure for tomorrow's success. Um, but sometimes we get that way with God too, you know, where, you know, this is hard, digging this, this, this place out, digging this trench out, digging this well in the Holy Spirit. But once it's dug, how many times have we seen Pastor Zig and he's not, like, we're in the worship service, and we're, you know, engaging in that. And we would have to do all of that so that we could get up and then preach a message from memory. You know, has a little bit of notes on his iPad, but most of the time, it's not like the whole thing is written, and he's going through point by point. He says one point, and then he's off on a rabbit trail for, like, 30 minutes. Um, and there's something good. It's in the Holy Spirit. I'm <laughs> rabbit trail sounds negative, but it's not. Better watch it, Mike. <laughs> um, but, you know, he'll come back from sitting, sitting in his office, and I'm sure he's thinking about things of God's before service. I have no clue. But we would need the full 30 to 45 minutes to be entrenched in the, in the presence of God. And he's like, I'm going to go up. He could get last, uh, last Wednesday, was it last? No, it was the revival night. I think it was the first night that he preached. We were in the back, me and Hilda and Pastor Annie, talking about um, the things of God and a specific question that I had, and we're talking the entire worship time, and then he got up and preached, instead of being like, oh, now I'm distracted, you know, my, my mind's not in that right place, and I'm thinking about things of God, but I was thinking about preaching in a certain way, you know, I've got to be in a certain tone. It's like, once, you, once you've dug out a place in the Spirit, once you have it, like a pastor uh, or... Um, What's his, John Bevere, he had a, a lesson that me and Hilda listened to a long time ago, and I forget what it was called, but it was about um, a dwelling place. And it said, you know, there is a special dwelling place that God has for each and every one of us, um, and only we can occupy. He talked about a scripture where uh, they talked about Judas's dwelling place, and they said that he, it would be vacant, absent. Um, and... Uh, you know, when we, when we cultivate that place, you, it doesn't take as much time in the future to get there. You just, you just step on over there. Um, if you've ever tried to do something, I, yesterday, Amelia has vomited several times on her car seat, which is a beautiful car seat. It's very expensive. It's not fun watching it. I don't like seeing her vomit, period, because it's, um, you know, I know she's not feeling good. But then you're like, that's going to be, that's going to suck to clean. Um, and they do, you know, you got to tear them off. You don't know how they come off and you're like trying to 
figure out where the zippers and the Velcro and all little things, and then you know that getting it off is the easiest part. It's getting it back on that sucks. And you put it in the wash, and you're praying it doesn't shrink too much because you're going to have to stretch it out. And you could spend an hour trying to get that thing back on, or more, or be like, an hour was wasted. It's time to pull up some YouTube videos. Hopefully, someone's got something that can help me. Um, Sister knows. But once you get it done, once you learn the secrets of how you put it on and where to tug and pull and which part goes in first, it's cake. You're like, man, I can make a YouTube video. I could do this. But learning it is hard. You know, whatever it is, if it's payroll, Pastor Annie, I'm sure that there's people, they come on and train, um, and it takes them forever. And you're like, is this person going to make it? I don't know. But eventually, most of them probably make it. And when they do, they're just, they're just turning them out. They're just, it's muscle memory. But it's hard uh, digging the trench, digging the pipeline, finding that place in the spirit. And we've just got to uh, maintain that confidence that, that there's a place for us and that God, uh, that God has a place for, for us and he has a way to get us there. You know, for a long time, I allowed really stupid things to come out of my mouth. Like, I'm the only person God can't knock down. Stupid things like that. You know, mostly because I wanted to provoke him. I'm like, maybe if I say this, he'll, he'll be, you know, reverse psychology. But, you know, he's kind of wise to the game. Um, stupid. But um, you say those things because you believe that, you know, you just can't get over there to where other people can get over. And that's not true. But if you act on that statement and you don't... if. Uh, if you didn't believe that if I provided you a, the, the, the timber, showed up with a kit, I said everything you need to build a house is right here. All the tools, all the hardware, all the lumber, all the roofing supplies, tile, drywall, paint, everything's in this kit. You didn't think that at the end of opening this box and organizing, laying out all the parts that you could construct it, you wouldn't even start. Why? You're like, yeah, I mean, you got the parts there, but I don't know how to put this together. I'm like, no, the instructions are in there. You can do this. I'm telling you right now, it's easy. My mom's like this. She worked in a government job. She worked as a uh, bankruptcy court person. She was a division trainer. She only retired like 10 years ago. She worked on typewriters and then computers at the, probably towards the last half of her career. And now you're like, hey, download Snapchat. She's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't. It's in computers and technology. I'm like, you, you had to use Excel. You had to use Microsoft Word. Stop lying to yourself. You can figure this out. It's easy. It's button, password, done. Create an email, username. It's very easy. When you send pictures to me, I send pictures to you. It's fun. It's very easy. If you figured out Excel, this is cake. But no, she's got it in her head. Yes, technology. I can't do it. I can't do it. She downloaded it. She undownloaded it. <laughs> Um, and you'll convince yourself or you'll prevent yourself from being successful in whatever it is based on whether you believe you can. I hate the high school poster, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. But you know, it's true. Um, <laughs> I had it in my lunchroom. <laughs> um, going back to, uh, you know, 2 Timothy, uh, it says a study to show yourself approved. Um, you know, Sometimes we, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is really necessary, but, um, you know, there's, there's an expectation that we're going to do something, but we can't develop an attitude that we're going to earn it. 
You know, we're not going to earn anything by spending time with God and developing this place in relationship with him. Um, you don't, because we can't earn anything. And sometimes that'll be a roadblock into whether you can even get over there is because you think that, man, I put all those hours in, you know, I deserve this. But um, I, I think Pastor may have said something like this, but I really liked it. It's like, there's a grocery store down this, down the, and I own everything in it, and you can have whatever you want. But you got to get in your car, and you got to drive to the grocery store. You got to get out of your car, and you got to go in the grocery store, and you got to go find the aisle with the thing you want, pick it up, and then walk out, and then get in your car, and then go home, and then eat whatever you want. But there's, it's available, but you got to go, you got to go find it. And, you know, uh, these things aren't hidden from us. They're hidden for us, according to the Word of God. Right. And so we've got to engage with this. Like, you know, the, the, sometimes these things are difficult uh, as far as finding those places. Um, but once you find it, it will be easy. It'd be like um, if we're going to have to go to Kansas for the kids' um, conference so that they can play around the whole certain. No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. They're going to have a great time. They're going to learn a lot. Um, but when we get there, I'm going to be using Google Maps to get there. And I'm going to be looking at it the whole time. All right, Hilda, what's my next turn? What's my next move? What's my next move? By the time we leave there, I'm going to know how to get from Oklahoma City, excuse me, to Arrowhead Stadium, to the Airbnb, to certain restaurants. I'm, going to, I'm not going to need the Google Maps anymore at that point. It's just going to be... I will have learned the way. And it was difficult. And sometimes, for some people, it's more stressful. My sister hates going to big cities um, and to places she's never been. We live an hour and a half from San Francisco um, in California, where my family lives. And she only had been to San Francisco driving herself like a couple years ago because my parent, my dad was in the hospital and she had to drive my mom and dad. And she's like, oh, it's so stressful. I'm like, no, it's not. I mean, you don't have a map on your hood. What are you talking about? It's the easiest thing I've ever... You can tell Siri right now. Is she going to say something? I need to show up to uh, Pier 39, and it will give me directions right now from Oklahoma City all the way there. All I got to do is follow. All I got to do is follow. It's not that hard, Sarah. Sarah, if you're listening, it's not that hard. She's crazy. Um, but we can't allow our trepidation over a thing to... Tell us we can't, we can't do it. You'll be fine. Be all right. It might take you a little bit longer than you want it to take. It always does. Everything takes us longer than we want to take. Um, but that's just, that's just the deal. Um, if we're going to have a plan to, to arrive at somewhere, we've got we've to know where that place is that we want to arrive. If we're coming to service, you're like, Lord, I want, to, I want to receive a revelation over what is taught. You're bringing a word uh, through the man of God, I want to receive a revelation so that, that word can be deposited in my heart and actually produce fruit in my life. Um, what do I need to do? You know, you're getting your mind working in that direction as far uh, as what you need to do. If your goal is, Lord, I want to get over there into uh, Holy Ghost fire in my bedroom with my quiet time in the morning, then you're thinking in that direction. You're looking up scriptures that talk about uh, being, being filled and being filled again and again and again. And you're like, Lord, I'm knocking on the door. I, 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 uh, I heard Kenneth Copeland say, um, I think it was Jesse Duplantis who God gave him a vision and took him to heaven. And uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland, who's a mentor to him, 
was like, Lord, if you'll do it for Jesse, you'll do it for me. He just kept saying that over and over. Lord, if you'll do it for Jesse, you'll do it for me. You're not a respecter of any man. Anything that you'll do for one, you'll do for another. Uh, I believe that I can, I can walk the streets of heaven on this earth with Jesus in a vision. And God showed up and was like, if you keep praying that way, I'm going to have to do it. And, um, and it's not going to be good for your faith because the way I built you, uh, that's not going to be conducive. You, you, you do great just the way you are. But, um, but, but the purpose was a purpose. <laughs> um, it'll come to me eventually. But um, <clears throat> so we, we've got to have, we've got to have a, there we go. Praise the Lord. We've got we've to know where we're trying to arrive at wherever the goal is. If, if Michael gets in his plane, I'm sure people did this way back in the day when planes just started and the instruments were, no, were not what they were and maybe it was just an uh, uh, HSI and an ADI and that was just about it, I don't know. Um, if they even had that in the, very, in the you know, first beginning years. Um, you know, HSI tells you your, where, where you're, let's see if I remember this correctly, Joe. Um, where you're at, no, that's your attitude. AD, ADI is the attitude. And where, what's your direction in the, plan, in, the, in the sky, you know, whether you're, you're dipping or you're pitched up or you're turning. Um, and the HSI tells you, is your compass, tells you what direction you're heading. You get that right, Michael? Joe? I used to be an aircraft mechanic many, many years ago, and I worked in one very specific area. Um, indicator. Um, so it tells you horizontally what your situation is on a, on a map, essentially, where you're heading on a map. Um, I mean, if you said, my goal is to end up in Kansas, and we're going to this conference, and we get in a plane, and we just going towards Kansas, it's a big, big area, and I get to Kansas, then I may or may not be happy with where I'm at. And then I might have to drill down even further and be like, okay, well, I got to Kansas. You know, that's a baby step. I'm closer to where I wanted to go. Don't worry, we're not going to do this that bad. <laughs> um, but, and, and that might be the first step. You know, my first step might be, Lord, I just want to get over there into your presence to some degree in my quiet time and um, experience, experience that completely on my own. So that's a vague goal. It's general. Um, but, you, you know, you can accomplish it. And you can go like, all right, we're in Kansas. We're over a cornfield presently. Um, nowhere to land. So where do we want to go from here? And you're like, all right, well, probably got to go to Kansas City. You're like, okay, let's go to Kansas City. Now we're over Kansas City. All right, where do we go now? Well, we probably better find uh, an airfield to land on uh, if we don't want to crash uh, for lack of fuel. And then you're drilling down those goals of where are we trying to end up? Um, putting it in your spirit, putting it in your mind so that you can, uh, you can, you can end up where you're trying to go. And so, the, you know, the things that we need to do in order to, uh, to end up at that goal is it's relatively simple. You know, frankly, it's the things that we all know about. Um, but we're going to talk about those scriptures because these are scriptures that you can remind yourself uh, when those times come of what, of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, so in Psalms 1, 1 through 3,
I'm reading out of the English Standard, I think, on all of these last ones. Um, it said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. And so if we want to prosper in our spiritual walk, if we want to prosper in receiving in the service when we come in here on Sundays and Wednesdays, then we need to meditate on the, on the word of God day and night. <clears throat> um, and pastors talked about what that means before. Uh, it means meditate, I think it's in either Hebrew or the Greek, but it means to mumble. It means to grumble over the word, uh, grumble is not the right word, um, but to, to say the word under your breath over and over again and um, to, to just think on it. I don't know if, you, some, if, if everyone has, has done that before, but it's very helpful towards trying to receive from God at anything and receive a revelation is just say those scriptures and be like, Lord, what does this mean? What does this mean? Lord, um, what is this script? Saying those scriptures over and over and over. And you can do that all throughout the day. It takes nothing to memorize one scripture or even a passage if you're just saying it over and over and over again. Um, you're clicking and clacking away at your job and you're thinking, Lord, what, is this? what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? Reciting that scripture. Um, Lord, I want to know the, the mysteries that you have unlocked in this scripture. I receive revelation from you in this and over and over and over and over again. And then eventually, it's like a nut being cracked. It opens up to you and reveals itself what, what the Holy Spirit has hidden in there. And it's awesome. Um, Psalms 34 one through three, ironically. And we just got one other scripture after this one, and then we'll be done. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Um, so we see an example of David in the Bible praising the Lord and giving us instruction. Your praise will be in my mouth at all times. So if you want to develop, and you know, I, I think everyone in here for the most part has a, a pretty reasonable, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, Winter Church, we're preaching to the choir to some degree, but we can all go deeper. And sometimes, you know, we've come to a place where, pastor, like Pastor said on Sunday, where the, the biggest enemy to the next move of God is the last move of God, where we're like, this is how God does with me. I've got this pattern. This is my formula. This works. And it's like, uh, yeah, but you know, God would like you to go further. And to go further, you've got to do more. You've got to re-engage some of those things that you did at a, a, a previous time. Um, uh, there, he's also shared this testimony about the guy in the truck, you know, and he's driving down the road and the wife sees uh, someone, a couple in a car, another car next to him, and they're, you know, snuggled up in their car, and he's got his arm around his, around his wife, and she's like, you know, you used to do that with me. Why don't you do that anymore? And he's like, I never, I never changed where I'm at. You're the one who was in the middle, and now you're on the far side of the, you know, he never changed his position. God's never changed his position. Sometimes we have allowed life to get in the way and, and become busy, and, you know, some of us have got good excuses for why life's gotten in the way. You know, just in the natural. There's no shade or hate coming out. Uh, there's some busy, 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 busy people in this church. But, you know, it, that excuse doesn't really work as far as 
going further. I mean, God may even give it to you. You may be like, you know what? You are busy. I understand. It's real busy. But if you want to go to that next place, the excuse really isn't going to be, isn't going to help. It's not like God's going to give you an up credit. I mean, like, you're busy. So we're going to step promote you. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, in, in the process of investing in our relationship with God, we invest in our relationship with God. And there's no substitute for that. Um, there's no substitute for getting to know him in a deeper and more fulfilling way. Uh, and we wouldn't want to rob ourselves in the same way we wouldn't want to rob our children. You know, if you get promoted to another spot that you're not ready to fulfill because you haven't done the legwork of understanding what you need to understand in order to fulfill that position, be like anyone in here is in a supervisory role. If you promoted someone and they weren't ready for that promotion, you didn't help them. You hurt them. Now they're going to look stupid all the time because they're going to be expected to do something they're not equipped to do. Versus, you know what, you've got you've to put in the, the time to spend time with God, to praise him, to meditate on his word day and night so that you can develop that relationship so that he can elevate you to that next position so that you're ready to do everything he's called you to do. Um, and the last scripture we have is uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. I think most of us know this one pretty good. You get this chair at work. It's pretty cool. Uh, verse 4 uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's a good scripture. But it shows us, you know, it shows us what's required in order to go to those next levels. You know, um, this is Old Testament, and to some degree, you know, it's, well, there, there's, there's, no, there's no price involved as far as, you know, if you don't do this, God's going to get you. But there's, you know, with anything, there's something that's being offered. And, and what's required is a level of extremeness, especially in these last days. If we're going to be the winner's church, God needs us to be, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to go to a, a, a more extreme place. And, um, you know, if, yeah, you have to go there. Or, or don't, you know. But... But ultimately, as long as, and it's how I feel, as long as, you're, as long as you look through it justly and correctly, then you can only hold yourself responsible. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean like, um, well, you're not doing right, so therefore you know you're not doing right. You suck and you should punish yourself. But if your attitude is like, well, Lord, you're doing all this for other people. Why aren't you doing this for me? I want to be, be touched. I want to be used. I want to go to another level. Well, you know, we see to some degree, the recipe that's required in order to go to that next level, in order to activate the spirit. Um, and so if we're not doing those things, then we can't really hold God accountable for not taking us to that next level. We haven't been left behind. We have left ourselves behind in that degree. 
Um, and it's not really a shame thing. You know, we're all in different places at different times. Uh, sometimes uh, we're not able to put in what we want to put in. Um, and, and then other times we are, and then sometimes we're not able to put in what we want, and then God makes a way for us to do it anyways. We step out in faith, and he makes time where there wasn't time. Um, and so it's not really a, a, a thing of judgment as much as, you know, the Bible says to judge yourselves, lest you be judged. Um, to be a, work, a workman worthy, uh, not to be ashamed, but you can look at yourself and say, all right, well, you know, there, there's people who don't. There's people who blame everyone else for everything that happens to them. And you're like, do you get this? There's this lady on, uh, I was listening to a, a news pundit that I like. And he was talking about a woman who constantly, I forget what's it called, doxing? I, it's a new term I've never heard of until just this last couple of days. And apparently what it is, is finding something someone said online some point many years in the past or recently and like putting their address online trying to get them canceled in every way possible lose their job um you know going up to their family members and friends if you can hack that information and blast them as much as possible so this lady's on the news and she's being interviewed by msnbc and she's talking and she's a she's a writer for the new york times and she's crying on this interview she's crying and saying how people are mean to her and yet this lady who's really on a high level of profession, or not professionalism, I won't say that, but a high level for her industry. Um, she's in the big leagues, and yet she's relatively young. She's crying about how people would just go and dig up things that you've said and, and do these horrible things to you and put these horrible things about you online. It's like, well, it's everything that you said, but this same lady is the type of person who will do that where she's dug up something on someone and who, someone who's not notable, you know, not, not like a, uh, a senator or a congressman whose life is in the public view, but just like a you or a me posted something on Facebook and for some reason it went viral. And so in order to punish that person, she dug up every piece of information, went and interviewed their friends and family members and said, do you know that your, your family member said this and blah, 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 blah. I tried to go to her job, get him canceled. So this is the same lady. You're like, how can you be so psychotic. I mean, if you want to be that crazy and you're that activist, I guess go for it. I think that's horrible and evil, but at least if you're consistent, you're like, yeah, they tried to get me, but I tried to get them too. So, you know, all's fair in love and war. But if you're going to cry about it with the same, that'd be like, you know, Putin saying, like when Putin said, you know, they bombed our ammunition plants. Well, that was attack on us. You're like, called self-defense, bro. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> so it's, it's just, I know that's a crazy rabbit trail to get to, but it's about keeping ourselves accountable. You know, some, we can still fall negative. We can look around and see everyone else possibly, and, and we always judge in the best light. Uh, we always, we don't see the every moment of every day, but we see someone shining in a moment and they're like, oh, they're shining. I want to shine, Lord Jesus. And why don't you make me shine? I want to dance for the Lord and I want to give a word and I want to do this. I want to get a raise and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, how much time have you spent in the word? It's not a judgment. It's just being honest with ourselves. You know, I've done that many times. I've held God responsible for not being able to go to a place that I felt like uh, I should be able to go to, other people were able to go to, but I hadn't put in the time. And, and that wasn't because I didn't want to spend time with God. It was because 
I had developed an attitude that, and I think I talked about it before, that I couldn't go to those places, that they weren't, and it was that same analogy of, um, you know, I could, you could give me the kit for the house, but I didn't believe that I could, I could construct it. And unfortunately, being a victim to your own belief doesn't change the fact that the equation still works out the way it works out. If you, a zero plus a zero equals a zero every single time. Um, so I know that's kind of ending on a, on a dark note, but it's not really intended to. It's really encouraging because, um, you know, if you think, if, if you labor under the delusion that you can't accomplish something, then you will continue to fail. But you won't fail because God wants you to fail. You won't fail because Pastor Zig wants you to fail. You won't fail because anyone in this church wants you to fail. You will fail because you are continuing to work the same math equation. And you're going to continue to get the same answer. But if you change that equation and say, you know what, in the past, I haven't experienced uh, what I'm looking to experience. But let God be true and every man be a liar, and that includes me, then... I need to change the equation regardless of how I feel. And maybe that starts with a confession of I can, I can get over there. I, you know, I, I, can, I, can, I can surrender over to the Holy Spirit. I can get over there into laughter. I can dance before the Holy Spirit. I'm not that insecure. I'm the confident guy who's willing to jump around. You know, whatever it takes, whatever the devil, whatever lie the devil has put before you to get you to, to eat at the table, to say, no, I'm not going to eat that table. I don't care how I feel, pastor talking about um, getting pull, or pulling someone over in, in road rage and in anger and then getting in the car. And he didn't say this last time, but I had heard him say it before when he gave this testimony um, of saying that's the very last time it'll ever happen. And it happened multiple times after that, but it didn't change his confession that he was saying, well, this isn't God's will. So I'm not going to continue to say, oh, this is the type of person, this is my, my cross to bear, this is my uh, thorn in the flesh, Lord, just carrying my thorn for you. You know, it was, all right, here's an action that's not, that's not in alignment with God's word. I'm going to change my confession until something changes on the inside. It doesn't matter if I feel like it's changing anything. It's if I put the right words in my mouth, I will eat the fruit that comes out. And if that takes a, a day or if it takes a year, it'll happen. If you sow that seed, you will reap that harvest. And sometimes, many times, I think that's the first place it starts because we can't be led by our feelings in the first place. I mean, that's carnal, it's unbiblical. Uh, and, and so sometimes it's like, well, I can control the words. And even if I feel like those words aren't true, I can still, I'm the one who's in control of them. And I'm going to put good words in my mouth so that good things come out. And so whatever that lie of the devil is, or, you know, some people it might be, um, and this is kind of a sidetrack, but um, it might be, you know, you've been at the same spot in a certain job. You know, Sister Debbie was at that spot, but then she retired, and now they've got her on making more money than she made even when she was working full-time. Ted was talking to me about this uh, today, and he was saying, you know, I just felt in my spirit like Sister Debbie's supposed to make 100 grand a year. She's supposed to make 100 grand a year, and I'm like, she might be making that right now with, you consider her retirement pay and what they're paying her on top. I'm like, who gets 35 bucks an hour part-time? Like, work whatever hours you want, pretty much. Get run of the, run of the roost. That's awesome. Um, and so no, nothing can stop you. But sometimes we, we walk through that desert, like the 40 years with the Hebrews, because, you know, after year one, you're like, we're going to be here for a long time. That's going to suck. 
But then after year five, you're like, this is where we live. We're never going to the promised land. And then God's got to kill you off. Thankfully, we don't live in those times, but you keep walking in the desert unnecessarily because you believe that your destiny is in the desert. But our destiny is not in the desert. But we've got to control what we put in our mouth, and we've got to prepare to, uh, to enter that place with the Holy Spirit. There are things that we can control and we can do. We can meditate on the word of God. We can have his praise continuously be in our mouth. We can, we can put his word before us every single day until the, that word changes us from the inside out. So I'll just leave you guys with that and encourage you. Um, if anyone needs prayer afterwards, let me know, and uh, we'll be happy to pray with you about whatever. Um, but uh, did you need to come up and close it, Tyler? Alexa? Okay. Um, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to come before you right now. We thank you for what Pastor Zig is doing out in Revival in Ohio. Uh, we pray that you would do everything that you have purposed in your heart to do, that nothing would get in the way of it. We know um, that it can't, in Jesus' name. So we declare signs, wonders, and miracles out there that they would break out in a massive, massive move of your spirit and that that whole area would be shook up for your glory. And we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.